Welcome uh, to the Drinks with Jackson podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jackson, and today in the hot seat, we have Will Listaria. How are you? Good. It's good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're right. What are we drinking today, mate? Uh, one of my favorite brews, actually, uh, Juice Train from Deeds Brewing. Um, Deeds, um, I have a funny uh, relationship with Deeds. Yeah. Because back in the day, many, we're talking about six years ago, Yeah. Um, Deeds started with a, with a very casual parallel. And there were nobody, no one knew about these, you know? That yeah. was when I, when I was a store manager in, um, in Third Street. And um, they used to call Quiet Deeds. That was the old name. Quiet Deeds. Yeah, right. Hallel. And it was pretty crappy, you know? We're talking about six, seven years ago, eight years ago. Yeah. And um, they slowly, obviously, like any, any other brewery, they start finding their ways and exploring and getting better at what they do and, you know, releasing new things. So, you yeah, know, oh. it's just... Uh, Deeds is, is definitely on, on my top 10. Yeah. They have pretty, pretty good solid beers and they improve through the years as well, you know. It's the uh, back, our much loved 2017 release, Juice Train, brought a piece of the East Coast America to Australia. A super juicy IPA uh, that was hazy in appearance with a velvety soft mouthfeel and absolutely bursting with tropical hot flavors and aromas. Here's the good news it still does, packed full of hops from start to finish, we think, if it ain't broke. Dot, dot, dot. Obviously, don't mm, fix it. Yeah. Um, Deeds Brewing is proudly independent and was founded in 2012 by mates Pat and Dave in Melbourne's Inner East, brewing beers that prove Deeds speak louder than words. Um, back when I first met you, so you're the store manager at Chaz Cole Sellers? Correct. In Chat? I've been, mean, um, well, I sort of, my role um, developed since, since, we, since like, we started with the project. Yeah, that um, the expansion is looking awesome, yeah, by the way. Yeah, it is, and it is, man. I'm super excited. Um, Chasco Sellers became my baby after probably the first month that I was involved yeah. in the business. Um, originally, when I started in my role, uh, I was between brackets hired as a store manager. And um, a bit of a backstory, the, the owners of, of the of the business have the same owners as the Abco Petrol Station. Right? Family-run business, independent. Uh, fully dependent to the to the roots, very uh, humble beginnings as well. You know, uh, the the patriarch of the family, uh, Ron Anderson, uh, started a little depot. Yeah, it's a petrol like a, a small depot, and um, I'm pretty sure it was a Ballarat. And um, through the years, they start growing and growing and selling uh, obviously fuel, but they started introducing the convenience side of the now they're like like Sabco, you know, all the fried food and uh, the sort of mini markets sort of a micro-market um, sort of style, you know? And um, anyway, they were uh, they were very uh, open people, you know, a very open family. They always like to help people and, and help people grow with them as well, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the journey. But um, uh, it was an instance many years ago that unfortunately they got out. They got stitched up. They got done by someone that was writing Chasco Service back in Geelong. And uh, obviously, they were more cautious of who they were going to let in into the new business. As um, you would be? Oh, 100%. 100%. you got to look after your uh, your interests and look after your, your business. You know, no one else will. So, um, I went through like four rounds of interviews 
before I got the job. Yeah, right. With HR and then uh, uh, the CFO and then one of the brothers and two of the brothers and in the end it was all of them together on the table. And um, originally the 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 idea to opening a Chasco Cellars was to sort of replicate the celebration store. And I think they've done that but better. Oh yeah, uh, in some extent, yes. You know, because the the store uh, that we have in in Geelong, the Chasco Cellars in Geelong, is a, is a superstore of celebration. Yeah. So originally they got the franchise to have access, obviously, to ticketing and the system and ordering systems, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now we have our own, so we have a, a massive piece of software. Millions of dollars of software. Yeah, the inventory, inventory really, control, timed yeah, um, up, ordering, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, the the when we had a a meeting to to decide how this chat girl was going to be, I sort of uh, had my doubts because it was basically a copy and paste like what everyone else was doing, not necessarily embracing the brand. Yep. Because the brand Chascal Sellers is a very old brand, all right? It's been around since the 1800s. By the way, linked to what I'm saying now, a lady contacted me through email uh, probably about three weeks ago. And she said uh, on the email that her husband passed away and she he used to work in Chascal Sellers 60 years ago, right? And she had a collection of labels, all labels, from Chasco Sellers, like rum labels, port, spirits, whiskey, oh, that's like pretty sweet. all different stuff, you know, yeah, like yeah. that was his, that's that's history, man. Yeah. And um, she asked me where, where she, if she wants to, if she can drop them off to the store in Geelong, because she was based in Geelong. I said, please do, you know? And I went, uh, in one of my trips, I went and pick up this envelope and I, I opened the envelope and I see this mint condition labels. And these guys were doing everything like Australia, Australian rum, Australian whiskey, Australian port, Tony, you name it. And beautiful labels, beautiful designs, you know. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a, a nice collage and frame those labels. Yeah, awesome. My boss loved it when, when she said, oh, "Where did you find this?" You know, and um, linking this, what I'm saying now to what I was saying about embracing the brand, embracing Chasco Sellers. Yeah. And we sit down and and with this, uh, we sort of discussing how we're gonna make it look the store and how it's gonna be, what range of products, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I sort of uh, push back on the idea of coping a celebration store because. Uh, in the liquor industry, everything is the same now. Everyone has the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and unfortunately for independent um, liquor stores, it's very hard to compete with the big monsters like Virtuals and Dan Murphy's, you know, because they have uh, thousands of locations, uh, buying power, stock market, you name it. It's, Would it's, you say that in a way is a competitive edge in a, in that uh, you have the ability to uh, give smaller breweries, distilleries, the opportunity to correct and that's come how, to market. Exactly right. And that's that's the reason why when we had the discussion with my with my boss, I said, uh, why we don't embrace what these guys were doing for so long before. Yeah, embrace what everyone else is overlooking. Correct. Really. Embrace the embrace the, the independent industry. Uh embrace the the sort of customer service and, and the sort of niche products as well in a yeah. certain way. And when we opened the store, because I, I started the project where there was no even ceiling in that building, you know, there was not even a slab outside of the, a concrete slab outside of the store. Um, and uh, we decided, okay, let's embrace the fine wine, craft beer, and all the independent uh, yeah. products that we can offer, you know. Um, now, having the background of working in a corporate store, which is, okay, I worked for, for first years for, for a number of years, about five years in total. Um, the, the the business model is different, you know. There's a lot of things happening in the background, rebates, 
deals. Some companies or wine companies will pay that company to have their products on the shelf instead of you paying that producer the money to have their product. You know yep. what I mean? So we decided to, uh, well, because we are independent, we decided to embrace the independency and support as many microbreweries and as many uh, local wineries and regional wineries as we can. Like the same with distilleries now, you know, because uh, as you know, the gin industry has gone crazy and whiskey industry in Australia is booming as well. There is, is some massively. really good stuff out there, really good whiskey, you know. Um, especially, and we, we sort of embrace the, the, the crappy industry uh, 100%. That's why uh, around 85% of our breweries, almost 90% of our breweries and uh, the breweries on our shelf are independent. Um, we were one of the first ones in Victoria to have Mountain Culture, for example. I think it was Carwin Sellers and Hop Supply in Mexico. That was it. Um, the same with Range Brewing. We were one of the first ones getting Range Brewing into our shops. Um, the same with Mr. Banks, for example, from Seafood. We used to go all the way up to the brewery to get get the stuff and bring it back. Now Mr. Banks is, is sort of making their way, you know? Um, and uh, I think uh, the two years of COVID gave us, uh, obviously, a lot of negative things, but a lot of positive things oh, in the massively. craft industry, you know? Yeah. Um, breweries, they don't... They didn't uh, have uh, the package side of the of the business. They realized, hey, everything is shut. We only sell cakes. What are we gonna do? So people start buying canning. Like they start, you know. Even I, I heard some breweries were canning it by hand, you know, to to be able to uh, deliver their product to to different venues, etc. So for the consumer, I think that was the most positive thing that can happen, you know, because it gives you access to a, a good quality range of products. Yeah. On your local bottle store. The, the, the microbreweries did like an exceptional job pivoting their business model mm. to cater for the market at the time. And it was one of those things, uh, sink or swim, really. Mm. Basically, um, yes. It, and you see that with big businesses. If they if they don't uh, innovate, you know, the likes of Blockbuster, Video Easy with mm. technology mm. side of things, mm. look, look mm. what happens. Mm. 100%. Um, but yeah, like... I, I I met you through obviously COVID when I started doing the initial beer reviews. Yeah, I remember that, man. Um, yes. <laughs> and you know, Mountain Culture, their Garden Snake, which was a double dry hop IPA. Uh, DJ drove down to Melbourne. They timed the brew, so by the time he got back up, was the correct time to add. Yeah, what he needed to add, and mm. uh, it's uh, it's. Got a sense of community about it. I mm. mentioned that with uh, Jack Hawkins. I yep. went there the other the other week to grab some. I think it was Brooks. Brooks. Okay. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I grabbed a few for the uh, podcast that it was Sean Reedy. Um, and there were a couple of guys, you know, just having a look, and we just started talking to each other. Like, mm. oh, have you tried this? What do you think of this? Exactly right. You know, what what do you like in a beer? Oh, if that's the case, I'd stay away from this. Mm. And there's like a real sense of community, you know, beer, I feel, and just alcohol in general, people have like a lot of negative connotations to it, you know, like with the lockout laws, the, the coward punches, the nightlife, but it's it's becoming more of a, I don't know, like a, a, even, I don't even, know the words. Yeah, yeah I completely, I, I know where you're coming from. Yeah. Because even when I started, it was sort of um, a bit of an stigma attached to working in a bottle store. Okay. Yeah. And for example, when I started my journey in Lico, in the management side in Lico, um, when I used to work in First Choice, First Choice 
when I when I when I started in that store as store manager, we were seeing the rough story, you know, all the rough nuts in town used to go there, all the alcoholics. And it was quite confronting too because I I wasn't exposed to that sort of um interaction with people, you know, when you see someone that uh, a customer is coming nine nine o'clock as soon as you open the doors and he has the shakes and he grabs a bottle of whiskey, you know what I mean? But in the same time, there was people actually looking for a read, something special to enjoy, something special to give uh, as a present or a good quality wine, et cetera, et cetera. So now, um, I guess, obviously, there is different factors what, what, what sort of experience you will have working on, on, a, on a bottle store, on a liquor store, you know? Uh, we're very fortunate what we have. I'm very fortunate. Uh, I'm, I really appreciate it for what I have, the, the opportunity that I have to, to have that beautiful store that we have, you know? That's to be able, yeah. To be able to develop and to offer something really nice for our customers, too, yeah. you know, because our story is safe. We don't, we don't have those negative experiences, you know, obviously one or two a year, maybe. Yeah. I was going to say every now and then. And they're very yeah. isolated, you know, yeah. generally it's like you said, it's people um, joining on the, on the fridge stores and talking about beer. And, oh, have you tried this? Have you tried that? What do you think about this one? What do you think about that? You know, oh, do you like sour beers? You don't. So it's, it's a lot more, um, a lot more friendly. And the same happens with jeans sometimes, you know, there's a lot of people that are into gene and, I think um, the drinking, uh, people's drinking behaviors have been refined in a certain way, you know, and, and I think that has to do a lot with, uh, well, in the last uh, the past two years ago, whatever, with COVID and, and people spending more time at home, having more time to actually um, enjoy different things, you know. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of people that I know is make their houses like an oasis, mate. So they got the pool, they got a beautiful projector, and they have, you know, they entertain more indoors than what they used to because no one was be able to go outside and, and drink in the pub or whatever, you know? So a lot of people make the most out of their houses too. Yeah. And obviously when you're in a, an enclosed area, you are more conscious of what your surroundings and what you eat and what you drink. So we, we've seen, uh, obviously through the customer feedback and, and, and behaviors as well, we've seen the people who are a bit more demanding what they're drinking. That's changed now, you know? On the years of COVID, man, everyone's drinking limited releases, and I want this latest one, I want this one, I want that one, you know? Bit of a cult following. Yeah, correct. With exactly right. And people were chasing um, certain brews as soon as they saw them on social media or whatever. Um, now the, the industry is shifting a little bit. We, we noticed that. How so? Um, I think it has to do a bit with how the economy is working. Um, it was Just a lot. price? Yeah, things, price like point. People's, um, uh, people's budgets have probably tightened up a fair bit with interest rates. A hundred percent. Yeah. I agree. A hundred percent. And do you, that, do you reckon that's put pressure on um, breweries to sort of make their yes. products a bit more affordable? Like yes. they can't sell a slab for yes. $180? Correct. And um, obviously, uh, um, again, I'm fortunate in the way that uh, I can talk to whether it's reps or whether it's even owners of the breweries directly and yeah. and get that feedback. And I always ask them, hey, how's the industry going? How do you guys go? You know, because they ask us the same question. Hey, well, you haven't ordered for a while. What's going on with our beers? Are, are they selling? They're not selling? Whatever. You know? um, and always part of the conversation is how it sort of comes in waves, so how the industry is moving, you know. For example, this summer, sour beers sort of die. Really? They were not as popular as um, summer last year. Okay? okay. And we can see it on our on our data obviously on sales as well yeah um how many uh, in the sour category how many how many sales we sell this time and compared to last last year whatever so um is uh, the breweries and we noticed this for for the last few months as well 
obviously they push the brakes a lot on in how many limited releases they they do they, because at some stage they were doing one a week you know it was crazy yeah we found, yeah found that with uh dayton i think yes when I did their, um dayton and deeds were, were dayton and deeds like i think i did a beer review with the boys went at the Maud Street Tap House with Deeds. No, it was Dayton. And I think no, we did 24. We did one with Deeds was too. Deeds? I remember that you cracked like, I don't know how many cans tw- you guys were It, it was a it. slab. <laughs> I threw up. Those yeah, boys went to Shingo's yeah, for yeah, kick-ons. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, an absolute yeah. weapon. I remember that. I couldn't yeah, hack it. Yeah. I come off night shift and it was when I was renovating this joint. I woke up at 10, went to bed at 5, woke up at 10, painted for two hours had a shower and then caught an Uber to Maud Street and they're eating like fucking garlic bread like lining their stomach. Yeah. I, I was feeling it at fucking beer eight or nine. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it was it was massive. I remember when you got all, basically one of each. It was, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I really want to touch base with these guys and do it properly this time. Yeah. Um, it was probably hard for you guys with all their limited re- releases. They pretty much stocked the whole section of fridge on their own at, at some stage we had a full door of it yeah it's crazy it, we, you know because um obviously we, we're sort of lucky as well to have a location in Geelong because the boys in Geelong have access to different breweries and we have access to different ones too so we were uh because i was there even through covid i, I didn't feel that much covid because i was working lucky enough yeah and I got a permit to travel or whatever. I was going through the ring of steel. Oh, and, that was and a not joke the, the, the Chinese wall or whatever, <laughs> you know. And yeah. um, I was going to Geelong once a week, twice a week, going back and forward and uh, obviously being stopped and check the permit and blah, 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 and all that. And we do a lot of in, in-store transfers too because they have a lot of uh, they have a lot of access to black mans and Valhalla and all those guys from that side, you know. And um, when I wanted to get uh, my hands on some of the latest release of Mr. Banks, for example, the boys have it over there. Gotcha. And it was more um, cost-effective for me even to drive over there and spend half a tank or whatever instead of sending a, a pallet from Geelong to get here. You know, yeah. A pallet of 300 bucks per pallet or whatever because we, I don't know, 80 bucks to, to go back and forth. There you you go. Um, so that gave us that gave us that, uh, the access to all those all those beautiful brews, you know? Oh, 100%. But we noticed that too uh, in all those early releases, I guess because I don't know the exact reason. I, I think it's because they had more times on the hand because they were more busy with the tap rooms and they were just more concentrating brewing. Some yeah. of the original releases of certain bees or re-releases of uh, limited releases, they were better on the first the first release. And that was through COVID as well, you know? And then they did a re-release and it didn't hit the mark like the first one. Or the third one was better than the second one. Not, a, You know? Yeah. There was not a consistency... Yeah. On each release to what they that that first beer was. Does that just come down to quality and like? It comes down to their, I guess they they just um, overthink too much about redoing something, you know. Like sure, juice train for example, they released a double juice train, right? And it was creamy and man, it was a beer that you have a mouth where you have to chew it up. Yeah, you know? like it's like a full for me. It's, it's a meal. It was a meal, you know. But it, the, the aroma and the flavors and and that. Um, Tropical uh, passion fruit and, and mango and on the haziness, yeah. you know the the old cream and the creaminess of the beer when you're drinking it. I love beer, by the way. Um, it was delicious, you know. It was like, oh wow, this is good. You can have another one, even if it was a nine percent or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, and then you tried it again on the next release, and it was like, oh, not as good. They dropped okay. the mark a bit. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, you know. Yeah. And it's happened in a few with different breweries. It's happened a couple of times, but I guess it's. Um, 
when everything started being open again and you got a chopper room to look after, you got staff to look after, you got uh, overheads, uh, transportation, distribution, etc., etc. Few factors that really play into it. Correct, correct. Massively, especially like now that everything's sort of coming or going back to normal, mm. the new normal. Um, the allocation of staff probably have had to spread and go back into their original roles, which is probably a bit of a shock to the system finding their feet. It is. And then obviously brewers may not having the assistance that they once did for that two to three years. Is um we sort of live in now the, the aftermath of what happened through the last two well, two years. I think it was two years that we were locked up and um we still we still have it now, you know, distribution, like you said, staff. Um is is business is hard now. You know, yeah. is it doing business and grind like every day is is um it's changed a lot, yeah. And we we not we we, I'm not talking just about Chasco in, in, in particular or Chasco in Geelong. I'm talking about in general, even across all our network, which is, you know, twenty nine thirty petrol stations across Victoria, New South Wales. Um, the uh, it's it's hard to find good people that actually will care about the job as much as you care about yours. Yeah, put it that way. Yeah, yeah, that that, that makes sense. And Talking, for example, to tradies and people that have been involved in our field, um, sparkies, plasterers, et cetera, et cetera, it's, it's even hard for them to find the people that want to do the job as well. You know, different. There's um, a labor shortage it is. there for sure. Um, and I think as a result, people are, who may not necessarily deserve a job are getting a job mm. in that desired field. So the outcome may not necessarily be as good as what it should exactly be. Exactly right. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. I feel, you know, with every challenge, there's definitely a benefit. Um, you just have to sort of find that, that niche. Obviously, you've fitted mm. that niche. Um, when you looked at, you know, the challenges um, from the shoes or from your position at first choice, looking outward, mm. Mm. you know, in my opinion, Chaz Cole's like the, the fifth biggest bank, Bendigo Bank, you know, they cater mm. to that, mm. that uh, demographic because you offer um, a better service. Mm. Better options. It's um, even even for me now. Back back in the day, because I've been in management all my life. I started I started out in the tourist industry since I was sixteen years old. Yeah. Okay. So I've been interacting with customers for for a long time. You know? where, where was that? That was um. Well, I'm originally from South America, Peru. I thought that I, I actually did an ancestry.com on your yeah. surname, and yeah. I, I was yeah. my surname is over 500 years old. I was trying to find a South American beer, yeah. and I even went to Dan Murphy's, and I couldn't find yeah, one. No, Stop in Shepherd. There's not many around. I now. thought we'd pay ode to your yeah to your ancestors and drink something. So. Uh, culturally acceptable <laughs> but i played it safe and i got dates yeah no but you know what is um south america is like for example in brahma they have brazil in argentina they have kilnes in peru they have cuscania or pilsen or cristal they're all lagers they're yeah. all very multi-lagers very crisp very easy to drink uh very clear uh in uh, people drink people drink proper we think we drink. No, people drink a lot in South America, you know. Um, so uh, even like I was like I was saying before, even even now it's uh, in going back to 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 what you what we what we want to offer, you know, is yeah. is very hard to 
relate or to find or to network with people that actually have the same vision or the same drive or the same um, perspective on what you want to do. And unfortunately, it's sort of a bit of a conflict because it's the industry too, you know? Yeah. We, we sort of want to, even if we are in the liquor industry, what, what, I, what I want for everyone and for our customers, et cetera, et cetera. And that's why we sort of, a, a bit of, like you said, a bit of a niche. We want to have, we want to have a safe store, a good store, and a store that you're going to be happy to go into and buy a really good bottle of wine or a value wine or whatever it will be, you know? Well, and don't get me wrong, we have everything for everyone too. I'm very grateful for the customer base that we have as well, you yeah. know, because we have value customers that, Man, they can come for a can of Johnny Walker or Jack Daniels and they'll be happy, you know? Oh, 100%. But we have those customers too that they're looking for something more special or they're looking yeah. for expensive wine or or, or even expensive whiskey or whatever, oh, you know? That's it. So, you know, it's that offer that we want to put out there for, for, for people, you know? That, and that's the thing too, like, um, I was talking to Jack Hawkins. He's uh, James's brother. He's mm. had a lot of experience in those... Um, uh, luxury brands within the liquor industry mm, itself, mm, mm. Uh, working obviously for uh, various segments of Sapporo mm. uh, and even uh, Starwood Whiskey. It's had yeah. a fair bit to do with those guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and it's crazy to think that when he was breaking it down that uh, Australian consumers, I think it was 87% of Australian consumers are still drinking, you know, the macro beers. Mm, mm. Um, so it just shows, you know, that, that minority for us, like, which you cater for, mm. but it, it's nuts. Like when I went to, uh, where was it? Prague, uh, late last year, it was Pilsner, uh, Uquel, I think that's how you pronounce it. Mm. Uh, it pretty much had a stronghold over every restaurant that you went to, every bar, every pub, like you have yeah. a beer, this is the only beer we have on tap. Yeah. Whereas is, um, well, if you, if you. Put it into, in, into perspective when it's only three or four massive, massive corporate companies. They own everything. Yeah. The radar. You know, your Lions, TV. Is, um, is pretty hot, you know? Oh, massively. And even if you will have a better product it, it, uh, as a mainstream product, you know, even if you produce one of the best lagers you can produce as an independent brewery, um, it's hard to go out there and have, I don't know, thousands of, or hundreds of thousands of dollars in advertising. Uh, or hundreds of thousands of dollars in social media, or or whatever, you know. Oh yeah. Um, in certain way, though, however, in certain way, people we uh, we notice within our store anyway. Uh, through COVID, we realize how dependent we are from the exterior world, and how our local industry and the state of our local industry as well, you know, in general across the board. If it's not made in China, man, we can't find it. There's nothing made in. Uh, Germany anymore. There's nothing made made in Australia so much. So people actually turn around and say, oh no, we're going to support Australian industry in Australian wine. You know, when China closed the, closed the doors for the Australian wine. They went straight to New Zealand. Exactly right. And uh, also uh, we noticed it because we work with a lot of uh, wine producers as well. Yeah, a lot of them got their uh, a lot of them uh, got the door shut of their face. And end up, hey, what do we do now? So we'll obviously explore different markets and, you know, try to go out there and different, um, more uh, retail as well, independent bottle stores too. Um, but it was a bit of a shock. So now people are actually more willing to, um, buy something that's made here. Domestically. Correct. For sure. And mm. that, that whole thing, you know, um, if it's not made in China, we don't have it. Mm. 
I feel that can be related to from that macro level, you know, in the likes of a Fermentum or a Lion or, mm. or a Sapporo, they mm-hmm. purchase uh, small business mm. for a massive profit. Mm. It's no surprise, but, you know, to expect those sales to actually drop because the, the consumers of that niche product say, oh, we're not going to be supporting one of the big guys now. Mm. Um, I feel as though, and not, not getting political, but, you know, just into return, that's probably half the reason why she sort of fell out of office to some extent with mm. her being in bed with the Chinese government. Correct. Um, and she couldn't cope. And she couldn't cope no, with it. You know, the, the water got hot. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is it. I need to spend time with my family and I run out of fuel. Of course you run out uh, of fuel. Exactly. I would run out of fuel too if I were in her shoes. Yeah, you know. You know like you, you can't. Is um, It goes deeper than that. You know, when your principles are into in jeopardy, and yourself, when they're compromised correct. In, in any way. Like correct. You can only do it for so long. Mm. Or you can only cope with that so much. you got to go back to, I guess, your core and say, okay, your core is going to keep telling you, stop doing what you're doing, you know? Yeah. You know, just come on, come back here, come back to yourself. And I think that that's what happened with her too, you know? Um, it's, um, it's a funny journey though, you know? It, it, you can see a lot through don't get me wrong, customer service is one thing and customers is one thing too. And I was saying back, going back to my beginnings in, in management and in customer service, I used to spend time with customers doing tours around, around South America for 30 days. That's so cool, man. Right? But it's 30 days with the same customer though, no half an hour selling a beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So your, your um, understanding of how people behave is getting a lot stronger, you know, because uh, for example, on a briefing before the tour was going to start, whether it's a seven-day tour or a 10-day tour or whatever, um, or th- 30-day tour all around yeah, the big one. Argentina, Brazil, Ecuador, et cetera, or Puno, you know, or Bolivia, et cetera. Uh, as soon as I w- it came sort of an, a habit, as soon as I went into the room before the tour was going to start and give my, my packs, we just got to pack a briefing about what, how the tour was going to be and what we expect and where we're going first, blah, blah, blah. Just by body language and you could read the room you can read the room straight yeah. away you can see oh this girl's gonna be nice this guy's gonna be difficult and not without without really judging people you can see about their body language behavior questions since you were doing that at the age of 16 it's a pretty good trait to pick up on well, people, I started like that whole six, body language i started in at 16 i started in the in the tourist industry as a, as a training guide yeah doing wild water rafting you know i was doing class five rapids and she was four days five days seven days on it on some of them craziest rivers in, in South America. Right. And uh, I stopped about two years after that because... So 18? And yeah. then you got into the 30-day or 7, 10? And then it started doing trekking yeah. and mountain biking, uh, just traditional tourism as well. Is that where you found your passion for mountain biking? Yes. Which we'll probably yes. bring into later? Yes. Yes. I'm, yes. I'm so intrigued with your... With your uh, tourist background like is what, um, what was your demographic like what were your main customer like age everywhere everyone everywhere so and everyone. 18 to Peru, Peru Cusco where I'm, well that's my hometown Cusco yeah. is one of the most tourist, touristic cities in South America because you got the one of the seven wonders in the world um, you have Machu Picchu I've got it tattooed on my leg yeah well there you go <laughs> and I was there almost once a week that's so good you know but it became so repetitive what's the elevation Machu Picchu is about 3,200 or something it's like massive. that. Yeah. Did you used to have to chew on the cacao leaves? Coca leaves. Coca leaves. Coca leaves. Coca leaves. Uh, well, sometimes. 
and they do make an impact on you. You can you can uh, you can relate. No, no different to the other bloody product that's derived from the uh, coca leaf. Very very. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's it's similar. It's just different. Yeah, you know, it's been it's, it's, it's a very it's a medicinal like a traditional medicine. It was a it's a they call it a power plant, it's a mother plant. Yeah. You know, back then a lot of um especially the local um people and and uh, people have um, that descendancy from back through the generations and how they appreciate that leaf is a is it's a very sacred leaf. You know what I mean? Not because what they produce now because was um, used, for example, in rituals and celebrations and um, the fact that uh, it, it to, in, in a different, in a way, it gives you energy when you chew it and it has an effect on you, you know, it, it basically opens all your blood vessels so you can breathe better, you can, you know, take a lot more air it's, intake. It's like a nootropic. It, exactly yeah. right. And especially when you go up in high altitude, you know, that's what you need, really. that's where you need it. So these guys, that's why local um, indigenous people can can walk and can uh, they don't get tired they're very hard workers and the people that work in the land they use it a lot too you know um and it's um yeah it, it is a it's a funny plant because people even even tourists drink it too you can drink it on tea and it sort of helps with the headache and the attitude sickness as well um it's you can feel it a hundred percent you know, because obviously your vessels, your oxygen, you're getting more oxygen into your body. You don't have that headache that you do when, when you're normally going to into high altitudes all of a sudden, you know, from 1,000 meters up to 3,000 meters. You, you're going to feel the heat. You know, sure. you're going to feel the, the, the heat on your body. But if, when you drink that tea, for example, on a tea form, um, definitely sort of mellows down your symptoms, you know. Um, but now, obviously, it's, uh, it's used to produce one of the more selling drugs in the world. Yeah. So I think they anyway. uh, seized, I don't know if it was New Zealand or Australia, but Vice.com, I think they seized something along the lines of $300 million worth floating in the ocean. I saw that the other day, yes. And I just thought, gee whiz. Imagine a fisherman out there just minding his own business. That's his superannuation. Oh, that's that's a lifetime plus, savings. That's, that's you know? tenfold. Mm, that's, mm. that's old money, like generational gain. um uh, cocaine has been around for so long that it's uh, it, it is a big part of the U.S. economy. It's a big part of the. Well, they the, say the that um, the only thing that really bailed out the U.S. back in two thousand and seven, or was it oh oh seven oh eight? Their their big recession mm. was the cash money being laundered through bank accounts mm, mm. through drugs. It does the sale of me. yeah, you know, yeah, and that that's just fucking crazy. Uh, it's, um, is you know, the majority of the cocaine produced in the world is produced by Bolivia, Peru, and Colombia. Yeah. And these guys who are the producers, they're in the middle of the jungle, you know, risking it all. and With guns. With guns and, you know, in- inhaling nasty chemicals because cocaine is a different chemical. Yeah. Um, they get paid, let's say, I don't know, 100 bucks for a kilo or maybe 50 bucks for a kilo. Which is, that's mind-blowing, considering, I think a, a, a key in Australia is like 300,000. Oh, more, I don't a, know. A, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, it's, that's mind-blowing. You know, and when it gets here, obviously, it's, it's, uh, it's a different story. I was watching, because uh, lately, I was watching um, Joe Rogan was, uh, with Be Real the other day. You yeah, know Be Real yeah, from yeah, Cyber yeah. Seal? 
Well, I didn't laugh anyway. <laughs> and I was listening to, to these two talking in, um, Joe Rogan mentioned they were talking about very hardcore series, you know, like the ones that actually show you the true and the graphic and the gory and yeah. how how a drama will be or how. But those a, journalists that go <clears throat> hard in the paint. Yeah, yeah, correct. So they they talk. Uh, uh, Joe Rogan mentioned, oh, have you watched Zero Zero Zero? To be real, I said, no, I haven't watched it, but I heard about it. I want to watch it straight away. I jump on my phone. Zero Zero Zero. It's actually Zero Zero Zero. Altogether, no. Oh, like the no word, spaces. like the zero zero zero, like zero zero oh, number. The, the but new, is yeah. word is the word zero yeah, zero yeah. zero altogether. Zero 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 in Italy uh, is the grade of a very fine flour, the finest you can get. Flour, just flour for cooking. You know, it's like a triple A. Correct. But so zero zero zero. Correct. Zero, so zero. it's a sort of slang for Italians to to name the purest coke you can find. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I um I Google this series. I watched it like in two days, eight episodes, miniseries, oh, very quickly. Yeah. I was up until one thirty in the morning just watching it. And wow, great. What a great miniseries. Yeah. It was the, a good representation of how uh, cocaine gets uh, laundry, how, uh, who is involved in the transportation of it, how it gets to the United States, uh, the cartels, the Italian mafia. It, it was very, very um, graphic. It, it very well done too, and and the betrayal in the families and friends and you know it is pretty pretty crazy. It's just trying to pull up soft white underbelly. Have you heard of that? I heard of that too. Yeah, yeah they were on Joe Rogan, and for some reason it just got me into a Spotify to a uh, uh what's his name, uh, Mark Liatta. Uh, yeah, he was a photographer. Yeah, and he does. Um, yeah, yeah. So what on the belly? He has a YouTube channel. Yes, yes. And, and I've seen a few of his um, of his interviews. Just like monetized. Yeah, right. He's got the free stuff as well. But yeah, you know, he'll take photos of like the head honcho bikey of a certain gang yes. over in America, yes. and I've seen like it. he has to risk his life. And I I've think seen it. the one thing that really got him going was that inbred family. Yes, the Whitakers. Yeah, oh, yeah man. And, and, and the one, you know, the, the brother slash son that barks like an actual dog, like yeah. he doesn't know how to talk English. Yes. It's just yes. crazy, like those journalists that go deep. Yeah. No, he, he and, risk and a lot. So, oh. I think he went, he was talking, yeah, he went in and tried to interview one of the, uh, one of the heads of um, a motorcycle gang in New Zealand. And he no, knocked, guy, he, one of the, I think it was mongrels. Yeah, one of the mongrels. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he knocked the door and said, oh, this is where I am. Like, oh, no, get out of here, whatever. And then he tried again and bring him, put him breakfast or whatever. They let him in and talk to him. Yeah. It was it's um, nuts. No, the guy is crazy. Yeah. But yeah. it's just amazing. Like his portraits, obviously, they're done in black and white, you know, mm-hmm. negative. It wasn't until then that I really sort of understood, you know, a picture can. Say a thousand words. A hundred percent. Like you can really just see a hundred percent. Yeah, the emotion, how character has broken this person down into mm. their true form. Mm. And, and you see the scars and the, the, the wrinkles, tattoos the tattoos. Even like their eyes. Yes. It's one of the talking about the images, one of the images that struck me the most when I was young. And one of my one of my aunties was actually a tour guy too, a tourist, um, a tour conductor back in Santa America. You remember that National Geographic with a girl with a with green eyes? This um, I think it was an Arab girl. They had like a like a like a tunic, 
with yeah. beautiful big green eyes. And they did a re-release of that photo years after. I they think found I saw her. it. Yeah. And that image went one prices. Worldwide. Yeah. yeah, worldwide. And, and again, talking about images, you know, a picture can can tell a lot more. And but I, I guess it depends how depends on the individual how you decipher that picture. And mm. not only that, it's the upbringing as well. Mm. Like, um, it wasn't until I started traveling, and usually, if you go into Europe, it's always you're always going to cop a stop in Dubai, mm. Abu Dhabi. Mm, mm, mm. And then you see the, the full body burkas and a guy from country Victoria, you're like, what's going on here? Yeah. But it, it sort of makes sense. I, I struck a conversation with an individual and he was like, look, he, he's like, no offense, but you Westerners sexualize females or partners mm. far too much. Mm. It's not that they're their, pro- it's not that they are our property and we're trying to cover them up for ourselves, mm-hmm. but it's it's an intimate thing that doesn't need to be shared with everyone. Yeah, yeah. And it, I think it just comes down to like the cultural slash understanding slash upbringing slash mm-hmm. just what you're exposed to. Yeah. That really makes you start to consider, geez, maybe what I was fed in my own backyard isn't necessarily the right thing. Correct. Um, I think- And uh, seeing images from all around the world like- Traveling and and I've seen some of the photos when you were traveling too. Uh, is is something that I believe everyone should do and have to do to grow as a person. Yeah, because when you're just on your backyard and you haven't been anywhere else, very narrow-minded. You're very narrow-minded. When when you see different realities and different people, and you met different people, and you I don't know party and drink with different people, or you eat with different people, you know, because that's what we do up there in South America, for example. That's what you do. That's how you interact with people. You eat. You sit on the table. Everything goes around food and drinking. That's how you. Yeah, that's how you create relationships, etc., yeah. etc. And when you travel, it's, it's when you see the most. Um, not necessarily okay. Go to the United States and go to Disney. No, that, mate, that's not travel. It's going to have fun. Okay. Yeah. But when you go to places in Europe, when you go to Italy, when you go to South America, when you go to uh, Asia, you know, and how people behave and how how people appreciate different things in their life. Like beer, okay. We drink a beer, and beer in, in so many places is so important. Yeah. That's how people actually interact with each other. And similar, how we interact here. You know, you finish, you finish work, you're you're trading or whatever, and you go to the pub and have a couple of beers, talk about your day, talk about your family, talk about whatever. They're the same thing everywhere, but at different levels. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and a different purpose as well. Whether it is to just really um, talk to the guy at the bar next Correct. to you or Correct. just unwind and pat your dog in your backyard mm. and play with your kids exactly. or whether it is, you know, going to a cellars and getting something crafty mm. and striking a conversation mm. with the guy that's mm. into the same thing. Mm. Like it's, mm. it all serves the same purpose. It's but, just um, written differently. The, the traveling part of it is, is so, so important because it, it changes the way how, especially coming from here, this is what, what I, for me, it was a bit of a shock. You know, the first time that I came here 14 years ago when I, when I moved into Australia. What, what strike the move? My wife. <laughs> women. <laughs> Bloody women. <laughs> yes. Um, it was, um, I came in and out of the country visiting a couple of times and she went back to South America a couple of times. Yeah. Um, she was having a private tour with her mom and dad and her brother back there and I was in charge of the tour. Oh, look out. And of course, obviously, always professional, nothing happens, you know, but we got in contact, we sort of click from, from the beginning. As you do. And um, 
sort of evolved from there, you know, and I came here, and she went back, and came back, and we said, okay, what are we going to do, you know, well, you're going to have to move, she said, I don't speak Spanish, she speaks English, so you got to make the move, so I left everything in, literally everything, yeah, right, yeah, so one of the shocks for me here was, and what I saw from, from, from my small experiences through going out, or going a night, and have a drink, yeah. even driving, no one toots, everyone is, you know, even they're they're you, fairly calm. You, you toot every now and then if you don't you know, move at a great yeah, line. Sort of or even in a bigger city like Sydney and Melbourne. Yes, you toot sometimes and there's always people doing silly things on the road. But over there, man, it's defensive oh, driving one-on-one. On one. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like when you go go to India, you know, like oh, it's cars Greece. everywhere. Or Greece. Oh, Greece is oh, like, that scared me so much. I saw a whole family on one moped. There were two kids that like where the feet, the feet are. Yep. No helmets. They're, no, they're buzzing they around go. at 80 k's an yep. hour. I'm like, if you hit a stick, you're dead. You're gone. <laughs> you're dead. But they don't. Oh, well, they do sometimes. Yeah, was obviously, their mortality rates. It's not recorded. Are, <laughs> it's not recorded. <laughs> their mortality rates are quite high. You know? Oh, yeah. Uh, in Peru, I think it's like 21,000 a year or something like that. Because What's it's, now? It's five, six hundred. Oh, something like that, yeah. yeah. But then that's the thing, you know, we're in like cars with airbags and yet oh, that's, we're yeah. still yeah. knocking each yeah. other over. So um, it was that, it was that culture shock too. Mm. And the drinking part of it, you know, the drinking beer and all that, uh, I notice it sometimes and quite often people get a bit aggro when they drink or, or there's something going on, you know, it's always like that. That ego? Ego. Um, protective, um, it's not that sense of, like you, when you were in Europe, for example, you can see that Europeans are very loving and touching. They want to welcome you and, and you know, it's like, are you from Australia? Whatever, wherever you go, you go to Italy, you go to Portugal, you go, whatever you are. Yeah. South America is the same. If you, if you actually click with someone, they're going to embrace you. You're going to be part of the gang, part of the family. Yeah. They invite you back for dinner. I've found that Europeans. Correct. They're going to take you to the house and, feed you and give you drinks and make you happy, you know? It's a bit different here. That, that, yeah, that, that, it's very standoffish, like that collab- mm. that um, like that collaborative sense, you know, where overseas you'll have three generations living in the one house. Correct. And everyone pulls their money together and they're doing this and they're doing that and they're, they're building an empire Correct. together. Exactly. Right. Where it's... You know, people grow up here and there's three siblings and when they all get old enough, then they all save up their own money to build their own house. And it's, mm. it's very... It is uh, a I, different... I've done it segregated. It is a different way to... Uh, how do you create wealth that way? You, you can't. can't. You, you know can't. what I mean? You can't. No. But when you see, for example, certain... Uh, even without going even too far, our noodle shop here next to Chemist Warehouse. Yeah. Mate. That, that's the, a, a true representation of how you create wealth. Oh, massively. Because that's the cousin, that's the mom, that's the brother, and all the working together. And you could argue that with the kebab shops in town, too. Correct. How same many thing. are they? It's the same emphasis, exactly same name. right. And they all help each other, yeah. and they all, they all want to share it, and, and they I put the money together that, to that grow. That's all poppy syndrome, like, as an Aussie. Mm. It's if someone's really having a go and striving, you know, and, and making significant progress, the first thing people want to do is cut them down. Yes. And it's just not the way. Like, I feel the rest of the world from an economy aspect, like, I don't really want to touch into finances, mm. but it just, like, look at the progress that India's made yeah. in the last 20 years. Mm. Look at the progress China's made yeah, in the last 20 years. There's more, million, more billionaires and millionaires than everywhere, in the, everywhere cra- else in the world. It, it's crazy. 
and he's um and they're, they're proper billionaires they're not like uh the billionaires from russia that just utilize the service and tax the hell out of no, it no, for no, everyone no. that they, uses they, it they're, they're, yeah it's they're all grinders. new money correct it's all correct. it's all new money and we're talking about grinding too yeah you know you grind I yep. grind in different ways. I, I don't stop. You we know, all, we, we all grind. We just still have a family. Ways. You renovate your house. You you work shift work. You do twelve hours a day. This and that. You don't stop. Trying to make it doing this now. You know, and, and, but that's that's the um, uh, one. I think the key for that is consistency. You you can't stop. We can't stop now. No. You got to keep going. You know, you you can't. What happens if you stop? You just give up. Yeah. You know, and uh, grinding is something that uh. I did since I got here. That's why it's sort of my journey through management. I, I, when I moved here, I put everything up my ass, my pride. I was a big dog over there, man. You know, I was I was making American dollars, big money, big money every week. Even tips, you know, the tipping culture because South America is very it has a bad tipping culture than the United States. When you produce, when you provide a service, especially in the tourist industry, and I used to have let's say twenty people on a group or thirty people on a group, each of them will put a hundred bucks at the end of the week to give me a tip. If, and if you if you if you're a good operator, if you're a good tour guide, and you you've done a really good job at the end of your tour, they say, "Oh, thank you so much," and they give you an envelope at the end. Sometimes you go like, "Oh my god, shit! I'm gonna put this in my pocket," and, and you know, and uh, a part of your your salary, obviously, you know, even in restaurants, everyone tips in restaurants, everyone everyone tips everyone, yeah, everywhere, you know. Um, I was making a killer. So when I came back, when I came here, it, was, it obviously took a bit of time to adjust of how how this world works but i grind from the beginning man i got a job within three days in the country you know i got i was making pizzas for the maruna pizzeria in marupna when adrian adrian bigotori which is i, I still have a relationship with him you know yeah. i think we still work with him so, yeah. i was making pizzas i was getting about five in the morning going to to his joint make made the dough there going to tachura when he used to have a pizzeria in tachura yeah, is I think so. Yeah. yeah, you know, he sold it. I think his brother. Was, yeah, 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 yeah. Something happened. There. That's, That's where we used to go because I'm from Stanhope originally. Yeah, right. We used to drive to Chichurri to get our pizza. Yeah, pizza Nostra was the yeah. best pizza. Yeah, next to the near the the train. Um, yeah, train. yeah, yeah. yeah, they, yeah. They've sold it now. Yeah, yeah. That's a small world. So, I was man. I used to go home, and my hands were aching for making the dough and and doing the balls and working. that. You know, working and. I go home and then uh, have one hour break or whatever, and then go back into the pizzeria to to do the lunch run. Uh, I worked for Se- uh, Sebastian's restaurant with uh, Cam and Angelman Grimelli back in the day, and I was there from six until eleven, ten, twelve sometimes. Uh, and then I was working at Raise Outdoors as a casual. I was having at some stage I had three jobs and I have to drop one and the other one, and I was grinding all day, man. I was I was going to bed at twelve and getting up at three, four, five in the morning every day. It's so good, you know. I can relate to that. It's like um, people say, find what makes you happy, but I feel as though that happiness is in small little strikes, mm. like whether you achieve a goal, you, you're with loved ones, and it's very like momentarily. I think the one thing that really gets you out of bed is having a purpose. Correct. And that that's... Happiness is a very, uh, I think it's a very trivial word sometimes. Yeah, and everyone's like, do what makes you happy, but... You're not going to be happy 100 percent of the no, day. Like, of you just do what you want to do. Find purpose within mm. that, and that's what's fulfilling. Uh, happiness you- is when, like you say, little sparks during your day. Yeah, happiness could be when you read something nice or when you achieve something in your day. When you finish, for example, your tiling on your house, you go, "Fuck, that makes me happy. I finished it." 
Yeah. Or when you actually drink you a really a skill, or, yeah. or when you drink a really good drop, and you're like, oh my god, this beer is awesome. Yeah. That's a moment of happiness. And you want to share that moment with other people. Or when, for example, now that I have two boys, when I see one of my boys out of the corner of my eye and they're happy with whatever they do, and they smile. That's nice a moment of happiness. Yeah. You know what I mean? The same with my wife. She does something and she's happy. That's a moment of happiness. Permanent happiness is obviously out of the blue. Oh, 100%. A lot of people mention um, money gives you happiness or, you know, uh, you got to find a work-life balance and all that. If you're a grinder, that's bullshit. There's no work-life balance. You grind every single day. Admittedly, though, like I've gone from working, maybe a month ago I was working anywhere between 60 to 95 hours a week, big weeks. Mm. Um, I'm still doing 50-odd hours a week. However, that other time I'm just allocating the things I actually want to do, being shit like this. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's not sitting on the couch watching Netflix. Yes. You know, trying to build something and... And is um do something that you want to do. It comes. It comes to you. Yeah. For me, everything is sort of um. We all have a journey. We all have a purpose. You know, whatever your purpose is, you might find out what your purpose is or not. But when you have those, um, that drive and those things that you like and you want to try, you haven't had a go. You haven't a go at something. You know, like you say, you're not just sitting in the couch watching something. Nothing's going to happen through that. That's it. You might have um glimpses of different feelings through, through the screen. Oh, you watch a, a series on Netflix and, oh, this comes up. But um, what that gives you is momentary. You know, it's a bit of a sort of afternoon in your brain and that's it, it goes away. What, what else? What else are you doing? What's next? What's next? You know what I mean? But when yeah. you're producing something or when you're doing something for someone as well, or when you're doing, like in my case, you know, building this business and, 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 and trying to find the right people to be in it, to be able to do and to serve and to, to produce something for someone else, like a customer, that's sort of my purpose. It never ends, you know, and you're going to have up and downs. You're going to have, um, like you said, sometimes people see you grow and you're going to have people trying to put you down or whatever. Um, it, it, it all applies into what you're pursuing and what you want to achieve with your personal life. Oh, massively. You know, so yeah. it's, 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 I guess it's part of the journey. It's part of the journey of whatever. For example, my day finishes about 9 p.m. When I have a bit of downtime, and I like, I've always been a gamer friend. I like video games. I've seen my first console was an Atari when I was five years uh, old. You know what I mean? Very nice. It's not like a nerd burger. I mean, I simply play video games all day. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. I love technology. I love graphics, and I love the experience and, and the the feelings that um, a beautiful video game can give you back. You know, and the story and et cetera, et cetera. So but that's my downtime. For example, ten o'clock, nine thirty, whatever. I go and shoot people. Yeah, I'm very, you know, very good oh, at shooting great. people. Yeah, you know, and, uh, and then it, it sort of takes me away from what is it called? Call of Duty? No, I'm more into the. I'm more into the the. I like fantasy. Ah, you know, gotcha. I, I'm not like into the gory and shoot people in the head and blood comes everywhere. You know, uh, I play a game and I've been playing this game for for a long time. Uh, a colleague of my wife actually introduced me to these. This guy was in a, uh, 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 Haiti was from Iraq. I remember the day when he introduced me to this game. Yeah, I went to his house to have some drinks and beers. He didn't have any friends in town. He was new into the to the yeah. hospital, and 
I saw he had a PlayStation. And I go, oh, okay, I can relate. That's what. That's why we clicked. That's why I'm here having beers with you because we, we sort of you, you find that common ground. Yeah, yeah, of course. Sure. And say, oh, what are you playing, man? Oh, I've been playing this game called Destiny. That was 2014. Yeah, right. And I jump on the game and I have a look at his game and I go, fuck, this is awesome. It was a mix, a mixture of Star Wars and Harry Potter with magic and you know different stuff. The gaming now is is massive. Um, uh, Bungie is the, the the creator of the game and. They've been going from since 2014 until now, and they're going stronger and stronger every year. So I've been playing, um, it's a first-person shooter game, a bit of a story of galaxies and alien invaders, whatever, you know? But it's a competitive side of the game, too. Sure. You play 3v3, three people against other three people, or six people against other six people. And that's people. a community. And, oh, it's 21 million around the world, man. That's nuts. You know, it's nuts. Yeah. So that's sort of my escape in my downtime. Oh, and, like... I know girls joke about it. You, you've got the reels on social media, but like guys will be playing a game with the headset on, talking to their other mates. Like, quick, quick to your left. Oh, I've yeah, just been knocked. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it's it is true. Oh, it, it's, well, those memes are true, man. It, it, it is, but it's a sense of community it too, is, and like it it's it's fun. It's it's funny because um, the people that I play with are in sort of the same relative the same spot. You know, I play with a couple of doctors, a paramedic. IT people, yeah, right. some of them are tradies. So one of the boys actually lives in, lives in Ichuka, you know, and, and they all are, I have a clan, basically. I have about yeah, 80 yeah. people, and you can create a clan, a group of people that you interact with every uh, every season or whatever whatever happens in the game. And same sort of situation. Some of them are grinders. Some of them are like, wow, man, I'm doing 80 hours a week. I need to play a little bit just to turn off because I can't turn off. Oh, yeah. Um, a lot of them, the majority of them have kids as well. So that's sort of their the downtime. The downtime. The and, and when we play the game, we we're not talking about the game himself. Sometimes, you know, don't get me wrong; it's very demanding game, and we concentrate. But it's oh, I, oh yeah, what did you do? Oh, I got this, or I got that, and I just bought this, or I just read this book, or I just watched this movie. You watch that series, blah blah. blah. And we talk about our day on uh, uh, everyday life, you know. Yeah. And um, that's sort of a, a different type of connection instead of. Because I don't go to the pub every Friday afternoon, you know what I mean? Yeah. So um, you can like, relate. I only play Clash of Clans on my phone. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and that's got like, I'm in a clan and there's a bit of a chat room going. But yeah, yeah. I can def- I'd love to go into the, the uh, PC or the PS2 or yeah. PS5 now yeah, yeah. or the Xbox. But I just feel like it's something that would just dissolve my whole life. And I, I then contribute 60 hours a week to it. It is hard to control. Yeah. Um, but once you got, you find a balance, it's it's not that important, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I know I know people that are actually addicted to 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 gaming too. Okay. But what do you have in the background, you know? What do you have in your life? Like yeah. if if you just a hermit and you spend, I don't know, twelve hours out of your day just playing video games, man, come on, do something with your life, you know? Yeah. There's more than that, and there's people that I know they actually like it too. I also also made um veterans as well. Yeah. Did have a disability. And the only way to escape out of the house is complete video game. Yeah, so you get you get those those um that range of a spectrum, you know? Like you get people that actually do it because they have nothing else in their life. Yeah. And that's the only way to interact with people, you know? I mean people that actually drink too many beers while they game. And you go, Okay, what's going on there? It's having an impact on your performance. Correct. Oh that's why I, I, like don't get me wrong, working working in, in Chasco gave me so much Access to everything, you know what I mean? Yeah. The crappy industry. I love craft. Simple as that. I love yeah. beer in general. 
I love real beer too, like Trappist beers and our German beers and Belgian beers. Yeah. But um, I sort of slowed down because after drinking hundreds of, hundreds of so many different brews, everything started tasting not the same. Similar. But similar. Let's uh, pause it here. I just got to go to the loo because I've got a fucking bladder like a child. We're at an hour and five. But we're back and I think uh, we'll pick up where we left off. So, you, you were just saying, Will, um, that obviously Chaz Cole, the, uh, the brews to some extent now are starting to blend. Oh, yes. Um, so, now I don't drink as much. I don't... I used to have, man, when I started, I was drinking six beers every night just to try something different. Yeah. And then... Uh, that was affecting not so much my personal life because I was fighting the next day, you know, like, like you, I'm a grinder. I go to sleep up 12, 30, one o'clock at night and I get up at seven, seven thirty every day. It was my performance while gaming too. And we're talking about reflexes, split second decisions or whatever, you know? Yeah, so now, uh, now I'm more selective what I drink too. Uh, I, I always look for, uh, Maybe a re-release of a beer that I tried before, or something special that is coming out. Um, like make something. it more of an enjoyable process, Correct. as opposed to just an every it, night. It thing. was it was always enjoyable because I was yeah. trying. Uh, 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 I didn't have like four beers of the same beer. You know what I mean? I try one can, and then try a different one after, and try a different one after. Now it's more about okay, let's try these things that I haven't tried before ever in my life. You know, like a smoothie sours from oh. the United States. Or a really good Imperial Stout. I mentioned this to you before. I love Imperial Stouts, like yeah. very thick chocolate, marshmallows. Or- all, all I get from those Imperial Stouts is like a mix of coffee and cigarette butts. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it happens though. Hey, look, I know where you come I don't, from. I don't know if it's my taste buds no, 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 having developed, is, but is. there's that cigarette butt slash coffee. It is. It yeah. is your taste buds. I was exactly the same as you, man. I, I used to. Um, not hate him, but I was very resilient to try dark beers. Yeah. And um, slowly I started developing the, the, the taste for them. Um, and uh, I, I guess my, my taste sort of uh, enhanced the search for a really good quality dark beer when I started tapping into the high alcohol beers, you know, like the 10, 11%, 13%, whatever it was. Of course. And um, it's... it's uh, it's more eye-opening when you start trying things that uh, they're not necessarily made here. Um, there's a lot of people out there, you know, especially Americans and Canadians too, uh, Belgians. They all be making very strong beers for a long, long time. And those dark beers are, man. When you when you have a sip of a beer, and, and let's say the description of this beer is marshmallows, crackers, and cocoa nibs or whatever, and you can start feeling those flavors on that particular beer while you drink it, you know. Um, that beers are that beers are a bit funny as well because they change flavor depending on the temperature. The that warmer, makes sense. The warmer they get, the the more um, profiles you're gonna get on your taste buds. Really? Yes. So, are you suggesting that you should drink them warmer when um, cooler? They change. Uh, obviously, uh, there is certain temperature that you can drink them, uh, but the warmer they get, the better they get, in my opinion. You know, the beginning when they're really cold, they're sort of very sharp and very flat on your palate. But the, the, the warmer they get, um, sometimes the last uh, mouthful on the glass is probably the best. Really? Yes. Because they, sometimes it can be the opposite too with other beers. It, it could be with other beers, yes. Yeah. But with dark beers, it's different. 
it is different. It's almost like a wine, you know. I took a chance with the uh, Jack Hawkins podcast um, episode five. We did deeds, the uh, barrel aged mixed cultures. Mm. Absolutely delicious. Yeah, right. You know, the likes of, uh, I think Plutocracy had 580 grams of, uh, what were they? Uh, Pluots, which are like a Japanese plum. Yeah, right. Mixed in with every litre of beer. Mm. Or Extravagance had 570 grams of blueberries yeah, mixed right. in with every litre of beer. Yeah, yeah, pretty heavy. A lot of wastage too. Oh, but the sediment and in, in the in the bottle and, you know, the likes of rolling it to mm. mix it. And mm. It was an experience, mm. you know. I'm, in hindsight, I, was, I, I spoke to Jack and I was like, oh, I'm going to buy something. Oh, what what do you want to have? And he's like, let's get something, you know, barrel aged. Mm. And I'm like, barrel aged mm. beers? Mm. And I'm like, oh, 30 bucks a bottle. But that whole experience yeah. really, it, it was an experience. It's it was a, an education seminar and it really broadened the horizon as far as. It's sort of um, a different, there's different brackets in the, in the craft industry, you know? Yeah. Obviously, you have your basic, your everyday beers and then you your start. beers, yeah, as you mentioned. And, and you start tapping into barrel age and. Bourbon barrel age, a whiskey barrel age. Uh, they all, um, some are very well done and some are a bit of a hit and miss sometimes. Um, but it's, it's a different, I guess you can, you can compare it with food, you know. When you go into a really nice restaurant and you have a really nice meal and an everyday restaurant, okay, you, you can recognize a good chicken parma. Okay, let's go back to the basics. It's a good chicken parma. The parma is done from chicken breast or you can tell there's a pre-made one that you bought from a box and you just deep fry Tell straight away. You know? Yeah. Um, it's the same. Or if you compare it, okay, you like um, Asian food and you go to the Spice Temple and the Crown Towers and you go there and you have uh, the experience of even in eating a, a fried rice, which is very simple, but it's the fresh one, the fried rice, you know, the, the best one you ever tried in your life. And when you go to bed... You're not going to wake up at two o'clock in the morning oh, squealing for two liters of water. <laughs> or just full of full of MSG. Correct. Yeah. Oh, it's so it's, it's, um, it's the same sort of uh, brackets in food too and, and the same in crap beer. You know? yeah. There's some beers that are actually amazing and uh, you can tell the effort of the brewer um, that is, that brewer is put into that particular beer. You know, Making beer is very hard. Man. Oh, it is. And you know, I've seen that first... You know, firsthand through mm. the likes of Reese and James and what yeah, they had to go uh, through. Oh man, they uh, as is is the journey, the journey that these two boys had is is been uh, is been a challenge, and they're getting there. They have a mission. You okay. were you visited the uh, new tap house when yeah, I was yeah, helping yeah. them paint the front. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and you know, like, you know how how we started because before they even had anything in a can. Yeah, when wildlife was an ounce, I caught James. Um, it was funny. This is how we met and how we started interacting with wildlife in yeah. Chasco. Yeah, he went into our store and bought a, a slab of Great Northern can, and then I knew about them before, but we we didn't meet officially, you know. Then I said to him, "Wait, what are you drinking, dude? What what are you drinking? What are you doing drinking that? You know, you're about to have a, a crappy. Um, you're, you're building a craft brewery and you're drinking that shit." <laughs> and he goes, "Oh no, no, no! It's for some friends or whatever, you know." Oh, even if you're like out mowing the lawns and doing garden yeah, work, it's, yeah, it's far yeah, yeah. easier drinking something that's three and a half ABV yeah. as opposed to what, six six point five. These yeah. juice trends, like, yeah. wait, I'm on number four. You're on, on you're number still number three, still three, three or four. Three, I think yeah, no, yeah, and 
Right, I feel good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel good. I mean, I had an hour and a half sleep last night. Gosh, I slept in the lounge yeah. room under the aircon because it was 42 yeah, degrees yesterday. It was quite nice, mate. Yeah. And oh, I've been up since 3.30 and I feel good. I feel playing poker yes. later tonight Jeez. and I'm feeling good. Jeez. This podcast has been one of my favorites. I'm feeling <laughs> That's good. Nice. Thank you. No. But without, without interjecting. Interjecting mm. too much. Mm. Continue with the uh, James so, interaction uh, with the. No, that's with Reeves. And that's oh, with Reeves. When, when, when you guys are going to be ready, you know, we want to have your beers here, blah, blah, blah. And everything start rolling from there, you know. And I've seen the journey. I have a lot of uh, uh, respect in the way for these two that are, uh, man, they're giving it a go. Oh, and they're fucking grinding, man. You know, massively. Like, dude, it's, 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 when you have a dream and you have a purpose, we're going back to. I don't know, 40 minutes ago. That's fine. That's that's what it is. Yeah. When you have a dream or you have a purpose, you got to go and stick to it. Yes. And who, sorry, who gives a fuck what everyone else says? Oh, that's it. That's it. And uh, really, like, for uh, for those guys, I've got Reese's podcast. It's coming out in two days? Yeah. 20th? Yeah. And it's epic. Yeah. No, it's good. Like, it's... The, the way that he breaks down things, like if you don't know something, Google's there. Oh, like there, there's 100%. a step by step, um, and it's just like it's admirable. Like um, I've locked in Dana for a podcast from Shepherdry, and I'm trying to get Jeremy on from Three Legged Cow, mm. but uh, he's got a bit on his plate at the moment. I think it's, it's, it's more of a passion project for him, but he still works full time as well. Like he it's, does. He a, does. A, it's, the, the quality brews that are coming out of three-legged cow, mm, mm. all the while, it's not their main hustle. Yeah. It's just fucking mind-blowing. And you know? uh, with Jeremy, it was, the, it was the same process too. It's the same with Matt and, and Dana from the Shed Brewery. Um, even if, if I was a, um, a foreigner and a, an external individual in their journey, um, I'm very grateful for the interaction that, we, we, that I had with all of them, you know, um, it, the same with 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 Chevrolet, for example. We're very close to them. Um, they've done we've done a lot of good things with them too. The charity dinners that we used to do, um, you know, they they found raising dinners, uh, raising money for the charity organizations or someone they the people in need and yeah. and the food sharing and and the homeless shelter, whatever it was. Um, and the fact that uh, is there is a reason why I embrace those guys so much too in the shop, regardless of. You know, I, I wanted to, I relate a lot on, on their journey with my journey too, because man, I want to put them out there. Massively. You know, and, and yeah. I've seen their journey too, how they improve their bees. And, and man, they're having a go. A lot of people don't understand this. You know, like when you, like you, when you, when you grind and you have some purpose and you, you, well, in my case, between big brackets, you own something, you're doing something. It's not just for yourself. It's for, the people it's around you too. It's for the people your around loved you. Ones. Correct. And it's, it's, it's not just for your family. It's the people that, the same as the wineries, the same as the distilleries. It's like, man, you, they're going through the same, relatively almost the same process as you to grow what they're building and try to make it and yeah. try to go out there with their product or what they brew so, or with their gene or whatever it will be, you know? Oh, yeah. It's, um, it's, um, you, you sort of put um, the, the criticism in a different level. It's not really criticism, it's feedback. You know, when Je- when we started with Jeremy, Jeremy came in before even he had these labels for these for his cans and said, "Oh, wait, what do you think? All right, let's put your cans next to the next to the other cans and see what they look like." And um, 
oh, what if you're doing this color? What if you do this? Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Or what if we do this? You know, the same with Matt and Dana from Chef Rui, man. man they, they, they're very honest about how the journey was, and the bees were not up to scratch from the beginning. But now, man, the bees are really good. But Matt, for example, because he's the main, he's, the he's there brewing, he's not, he's not happy with them yet. But again, where you find the time? That's the thing, though. Like never being happy to some extent. Like I know you got to find satisfaction along the along the mm. way, like within the journey itself. Mm. But having that never settle mentality is a good thing to have. It is. It is. It's not. It's not really necessarily being perfectionist. It's just imagine when when when, and this applies to these three people that we're talking about. You know, imagine when they're going to reach that peak and they're going to say. Fuck, this beer is awesome. Imagine in five years' time. Really? You know, you know what I mean? Five years. In five years, 2028, 20, it's going to be awesome, you I know, reckon. It's, uh, for example, talking about hazes and New England IPAs, you know, now that we're talking about beers, I rate Matt's hazy, murky, quite high. And now, uh, uh, to, to, to a period of time, now I, I go to the ship, I go to the ship every Friday, by the way. How's the food? I love it. Love it. You know, yeah. I love it. I got to I got to the Chevrolet every Friday for my uh, chicken wings. What what sort of chicken wings they got? Oh yes, these wings. Are they buffalo? buffalo no, 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 no. These uh, these wings have like a sweet glaze with maple and some molasses. And man, you got to try them. I, I I'm gonna stick with Joey Diaz. Joey Diaz, the comedian. Obviously, yeah. I'm, I'm a budding fucking open micer yeah. loser. Yeah. But yeah, he's he's got a phrase with um. Obviously, buffalo wings yeah. with the buffalo sauce, Johnny's hot sauce. Mm-hmm. It's uh, buffalo wings with blue cheese sauce. I'll go fuck your mother. Yeah, they're good. Uh, yeah. That yes. blue cheese sauce, yeah. you know, really mixing with that hot tangy yeah. spice of the chicken wing. A oh, good combo. You know, and the celery and carrot sticks on the side. Yeah. Like, that in itself is no different to a a beer experience. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fucking... Del- and that's the thing, like, food brings people together like nothing else. A hundred percent, man. A hundred percent. That's why um, eating with your hands. Oh, you know yeah. what? We don't want to eat with your hands because yeah. you have a different connection. You, you may go- not speak Hindi. Yes, correct. You're enjoying the yeah. same dish together. Yeah. And when sure. I go to Chevrolet every Friday, as much as I can, um, in many occasions, I bring different beers with me to drink with Matt and, yeah. and, and try a few different things, even if sometimes... You won't like that brew or whatever. Uh, I eat with my hands and I enjoy that moment. That's my moment every Friday after. Oh, one hundred percent. And you deserve so, that moment. And going back to what we were talking before, that the how I relate with with these three individuals trying to to make it. You know, with the worst of my life and, and and with the brews and the tap house now and how they started and the chef brewery trying to trying to make it as well and trying to make the do the best they can and the same as Jeremy with again you mentioned the, his full time job. So uh me computer cracked the shits because it was at fucking fifteen minutes. Um yeah, fifteen minutes remaining and I thought, fuck, there's enough time to wrap this shit up. But then it, uh, <laughs> the, the screen went black. <laughs> and there's gonna be a bit of a fuzz. Do you hear that feedback in your Oh, very mildly, yeah. Yeah, so I'll be able to edit it out, which will be no no biggie, but um it's a budget bloody production guys obviously the audience is small this is episode 8 I'm not going to be forking out 4 grand of roadcaster equipment until such time as I'm in my new house Um, but yeah um, where were we you were at uh, talking about the journey with Matt with Journey and eating every there eating there every Friday 
the chicken wings, the food, and the culture. share a different beer, share the culture. Yeah. Um, I know it's been a long, long time. We we over how long now? An hour and hour and twenty seven minutes. Yeah, what what sort of beers? Like what what's your go to beer? And what would a beer be to join a question? What um, what what's your go to beer for one? Look, I'm very uh, very open. Yeah. I don't have like a oh I only drink this. You know. Yeah. I, drink- I hate that close. That's that narrow minded. Like you've never travelled before. Pretty much, you know what? It's, yeah, it's the same. Yeah, yeah. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. I can. I, drink, I mean, I eat and drink everything you put on the table for me. Um, traveling around, I, I eat uh, animals that you shouldn't be eating. <laughs> you know, I, I, I tried crocodile. I tried turtle. I tried turtle ants. I tried monkeys, I've tried ants, monkey ones, crickets, monkeys. Yeah, that, ah, because that's too close to home. It dude. is. We're, it is. We're like a. Uh, we're a monkey. In a jungle in South America, Gee, the Amazon yeah. uh, is, is sort of, um, if you don't, uh, when you travel around the jungle and you visit different indigenous communities, yeah, if they put something in front of you and you don't eat it, it's an insult. Uh, or they, if they put a drink in front of you. And you don't drink it. It is an insult. You don't, you go like, oh, or you put a bad face to it. It's like, oh, who the hell this guy thinks he is, you know? Yeah. Or there's gotcha. a bit of a disrespect, you know? Yeah, to them. So you got to be open to, to eat everything. And- through my journey in life, um, I guess uh, I, I I gather a different appreciation about food because when you go without it, then you appreciate when you have it. Ah, smart. You know? It's a good outlook to have massively. So, for example, I, I have a very a big attachment with food because on, there's been occasions when, when I was just stupid and young and I didn't have anything on the table because I was very independent because I was a, a young, young kid. Um, when you used to say, for example, oh, I don't like potatoes, or oh, I don't like carrots. You don't have a choice. You actually don't have a choice. And if you don't eat potatoes or carrots or whatever it is on your table, you don't eat it. You starve to death. Well, to, not to death, but I mean, you're going to be starve. hungry in the morning. You're going to be hungry. Oh, massively. So um, I eat everything and anything, and I drink everything and anything. You know, so I enjoy good. a sour beer. I enjoy a uh, good Pilsner. I enjoy a good Hazy, and I enjoy a good Imperial Stout, and I enjoy a good smoothie beer or or a hyper sour or everything has a purpose you know you got yeah. you gotta i guess you like everything in life you you gotta you gotta be open to try everything and anything yeah with no barriers oh massively massively mm. which uh leads me to the second part of that question what are craft beers that you guys have would you suggest to drinkers um, like myself like in in that uh niche definitely uh, what do you reckon uh, we try to up? Trying to open your your taste buds a little bit more, and this is one of my favorite breweries ever as well. Is uh, the brewery from Belgium? Yeah, they do have some of the most crazy imperial stouts you can ever. Sat in the of. far right corner. Yes. Yeah. And unfortunately, and I, I understand why so many people don't buy it because they're quite pricey. You know, it's all down to the tax and the volume of alcohol, etc. Um, in my opinion, they have some of the best imperial stouts in the market everywhere around the world. Is it that cigarette ash stout? Sorry? That cigarette chocolatey? No, they're more mellow, they're sweeter. Like a Guinness, like a draft stout sort of thing? Thicker. They they sort of, um, they're not as harsh, put it that way. Right. Gotcha. You know, like you said, cigarette butt sort of tastes like it's when it went, oh, it's dark, it's burnt, you know? Obviously, uh, dark beers are smalls and it depends what what you add into those ingredients, you know? But the chocolate, the marshmallows, the crackers, the oatmeal, the... Um, 
especially that chocolate. Yeah, those they deep savoury yeah, flavours. Like you when get, you drink yeah. I mean, you, 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 it's like having a dessert, basically. You know, yeah, massively. Um, I do like Sierra Nevada from California. Oh, I've, I've got two of the ones that you guys have in my fridge. Yes. Um, I need to get a third one, probably from Dan's the first choice because. Yeah. Of the Instagram grid, I want to make it look presentable yes. and have the three different skews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, they've gone into cans with a few of their a lot of brews. Them. Yeah, um, and the colourful, bright flavour is obviously trying to bounce back with the market. And their their profile is is completely different. You know, they're very harsh and they're very strong on the hops, on especially the hops on the hops. I'm I'm a hop forward type it's, of guy, though. Yeah, it's like the representation of every hop that they put on the beer is going to be on the in the drink. You know, yeah. the parallel, for example, is not a a normal classic Palau Mellow is a harsh Palau with the with those with, the, with this Galaxy or Mosaic or whatever the hops the, they the put. Ga- the Galaxy hops I rate heavily. Hmm. Um, I just finished Palling Bros beer reviews today, um, and they've got some amazing drops. So the the Bailiff Pale Ale for them, the uh, Golden Ale almost tastes like a mimosa. Yeah, right. Like a lot of. Uh, pineapple, orange mm. peel, like mm. really coming through with that one. But they really dropped the ball. Like, I, I'm not going to stick my neck out and say it, but a lager, you know, it's a no-nonsense brew. Mm. I, I think it should be. Um, Te- textbook, textbook-wise, fairly safe to put put a decent lager out there. But they, they dropped the ball on a card. Really? You know, it's um, talking like, about it with different brewers and, and, and different people in the beer industry. Is like in the food industry. Yeah, something simple is actually harder to make. There, uh, it just come across um, a couple of their lagers, like real, uh, like Chardonnay, like that dry, mm. acidic, tangy. Like yeah. it, it, it just, it wasn't a smooth, crisp, crisp to, lager that you would expect. To make a lager, it's actually very hard. To make a clear, crisp, malty lager. Is a very hard thing yeah. to do for brewers, but at the same time, you know, like their uh, their IPAs mm. and their ales, like they they knocked it out of the mm. fucking park. Mm. It's just mm. it's crazy to see that disparity, and it's the same with uh, Cornella Brewery. Yes. Brewery, that uh, bet, uh, what is it? Best bitter. Yeah, yeah. That uh, bitter beer that they had, yeah. um, paying owed to what I can only imagine being Albania with a double-headed eagle flag on the uh, on the can. But mm. it's probably so far I've done 39 reviews and it's up there. Mm. Mm. Cornella Brewery is sort of close to our heart. Too. Yeah, I, I sent an email to them today yeah. hope, hoping to get them on the podcast. Yeah. Obviously, um, discussing their, their hands-on approach with their uh, winery. Yes. And obviously, the brewery side of things. Yes. They've yes. got the accommodation. Yeah. They've got... Uh, the what are they called? The mixes, the uh, re- the RTDs, they got a, What are they called? Pednat. They got a Tintore Verand, which is like an sparkling sort of a charret. Yeah, is that with the cola? Uh, They've got no. one with cola, Verano. Yeah, no, Tintore Verand. That's yeah, the one. Is yeah. it Nero? The other one. I haven't seen. It that was one like yet. a Shiraz and Coke. Yeah. Okay. It was. It's. It tastes like a Portello. Yeah, I right. tried it when I was at. The other house I sold, the yeah. Rossell and Drive, yeah. the Flipper. Um, and I, I drank it. And I'm like, fuck, it's 9.30. Mm. Chaz Cole's shut. 
It's like I'm on my 24-hour break. It's it's a Tuesday. Yeah. My housemates are looking at me like, bro, it's a fucking school night. What are you yeah. doing? It's like I don't need to wake up until two o'clock tomorrow, Arvo, because yeah. yeah. I'm a night shift. It's like I want to fucking Get let loose yeah. and I want to let loose on this. Yeah, like this is delicious. Yeah, you yeah. know, but. That, that's what a decent drink will do to yeah, you. And we did a collaboration with them. With them? Yeah. Really? Yeah, we had, man. We, we, when we did a, it was a double, actually, in the can it says it was a double dry hop IPA. Yeah. This was a, in the background was actually a triple hop IPA. And it was hazy and it was juicy and so many people loved what it. Was that the, was what was day. the ABV? I think it was 9%, oh, seven uh, something percent. It was delicious. We, oh, we, we, did a, we did about 80 cases and we split it between both of the stores. And a lot of people rate that be a big time. So that pretty quick. We need that, to do um, it again. That uh, wildlife collab that you had with the uh, cinnamon donuts. Yes. It didn't necessarily have the carbonation, but it was definitely like the dessert drink. It, the flavor was there, 100%. The, the flavor was there for sure. But again, the, this is part of the journey though. Is what we we're talking before. It's like the journey with this fucking setup that I've got Correct. in the third bedroom. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, imagine what this might blow up in two hundred episodes. Time is the journey, you know? Yeah. Because that beer, uh, we, we actually, um, we, we we actually had a meeting with, with Reese and James, and I said, "Man, let's do a call up, and this is what we want for the beer, and let's make it creamy, let's make it, you know, because I love Imperial Stouts and." Yeah. But that juiciness. And I'm the, more of a bloody, uh, you know, the the IPA, the IPA is mm. like go, going in deeper. Mm. I love a deeper. Mm. Yeah. When we when we talk about um, this dark beer that we did together, yeah, the the thought was there, you know, the 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 ideas were there, but like you said, execution in the end was a bit of carbonation. It was getting flat too quick. But it, it, it was part of the journey because they never did anything like it before, you know? And uh, it's, uh, again, it's part of the learning experiences. They were, they were growing as we were growing too. Yeah. And everyone has made average beers or good beers in the journey too. The same, like we were talking about Cornella Brewery. Mm. Cornella Brewery with the branding, now they knock it out of the park with the new cans, right? I rave those cans 100%. They're like sort of that 70s show sort of look. Massively with the, the they bubble look beautiful. Yeah, they the look patterns, nice. The they, they pop in the shelves. You know, they actually sell. And we did a couple of giveaways with them in the past. And um, they're great. They're great. And they, they actually improved their normal core range as well. You know, they, they, they put more thought on the brutes. And that's what you want. Yeah. Um, I could appreciate that as an answer. Um, there, there, there was a couple on theirs, like the hay bale. Yeah. And the draft. The draft was a bit light, mm. I thought, for me. Not as strong, not as punchy. Yeah, but like the Midland, it it was uh, the Midland cloche. Now, yeah. I, I don't necessarily like cloches, yeah. but the fact that it was at 3.5% ABV, mm. Mm. It, it really competed, in my opinion, to that northern yes. that the sunburnt fucking Correct. farmers yeah. would yeah. be drinking. And that's yeah. what they're surrounded by. Yeah. And it was crashable, easy it, to drink. Massively yeah. smashable, yeah. yeah. And actually, considering he was one of the ones that we saw them up. Really? Yes. In Midlands? Yes. Right. Yes. Um, the Annie knee pad as well was pretty good. Yeah. I haven't, I've only done the four that you guys had at, the, at yeah, that Yeah, the knee pad was sort of, uh, it, at some stage, was a bit of an issue with the knee pad. They have to call it back. Really? And then we released it, yeah. The um, Nipah that was released by Palling Bros, 
because I started off the beer reviews doing mountain culture. Yeah, I remember they're, that. They're, they're the kings of Nipa. Like, they are. A, a full cream bodied beer. Yeah. I, it, it's a shame that they didn't really go ham with one of those as opposed to the uh, to the status quo pale mm. the one gaps mm. because mm. I, I reckon a Nipa, if more people were exposed to them, mm. like a full body beer that's literally a meal in a can, mm. you know, it, it would run its race. It's obviously that American influence, you know, from DJ into the brewery as well. Yeah. Because Nipas have been around for a long time. New England IPAs have been around for a long time. In New England IPAs, so we're actually clear and not, not, not as hazy as they are now. Yeah, so you reckon it's just made that shift? In, uh, well, New England IPAs, they are because um, in IPAs, Indian parallels, the, the reason why they call Indian parallels is because they're high alcohol level. Because back in the day when beer used to be transported in barrels or, you know, through with the ships to, yeah, to India. Over time. They didn't get there on a good condition. Yeah, okay. Because their level of alcohol was quite low. So they pump up the, the hops in them to make them uh, a lot stronger so they last the journey. Gotcha. Right? I never thought about it yes. that way. It's like um, I was talking to Reese, which is, I'll repeat it again, out on the 20th, um, the likes of Coopers, yes. how it's canned fermented, yeah. how they'll can it, obviously, and I'm learning along this passion project as well through the uh, through the podcast, but canning it whilst it's, fermenting mm. so the co2 that's released is an addition to the carbonation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on the finished product yeah they don't have a base before they have a bare best after. after and Correct. that's that's so good yeah yeah that's yeah, so yeah. good cooper's for me is a it's a very good brewery too and I, they've been doing it for it's one long. of the ones i, I stick in the fridge and yeah. just give yeah. it a while the paleo the sparkling is is it, uh, for some people it's a bit too strong yeah for me it's actually great really it is really good uh, but the parallel is super strong too. You know, it's very good, very up there. Um, they do a, a yearly release of 440 mil can of the parallel. Yeah, right. For the same price as the normal size. Sure. And they go off. You know, we normally order about I don't know 20, 30 cases, and they go. Massively. Yeah. 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 Hey, uh, we we'll just hit. <laughs> so when I started this, I thought episodes. I googled what's the best uh, time for an episode. 40, 40 minutes. minutes. Yeah. Yeah. We're at an hour and 44 minutes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's not the problem. <laughs> let, let's wrap it up. Um, obviously, well, where where can listeners uh, get more of you and where can they see more of you and obviously, you um, know, get the beer and well, I think we're just are, trying to get a bit of a plug. Yeah, sure, man. Uh, we are in 111, 125 New America Road and it's basically the, the back of Atco. station. 100%. In the same car park, we, we are about to almost finish our drive-through, which has been a long time on the making. Yeah. We want to provide different type of service to there. Um, I know a lot of people say, oh, drive-throughs are dead and we don't have any no, drive-throughs. you guys are fucking killing it. But it looks really sharp. So good. And New South Wales and Queensland is drive-throughs everywhere. And we just want to provide a bit of convenience, you know. It's not yeah. just only the everyday guy that wants to, they know what they want and they're going to grab a slab, you know. It's for um, those... Um, we have a lot of disabled customers, a lot of people, they, they're older, or those moms, they have the kids in the car, they can't leave them in the car at 40 degrees. They can just drive into the drive-thru, grab just their and, and go, you know, on the way. Um, it's just more convenient. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm there almost every day, uh, and we have a, 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 a good team that they can help you, and we're actually looking for uh, 
a few individuals if they want to join our our team as well i'll uh, throw the link in the show notes but uh sure. honestly mate pleasure having you here no thank you so much man we would have been Easy. talking about another three oh, hours mate. but hey don't three. don't worry I'll, I'll, i'm gonna have you back on this is so we didn't even get to fucking mountain bike no no we, we haven't yeah. even touched the surface so yeah legend guys no. uh thanks heaps. Okay, and, thank you see you guys bye